Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for building happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should write not a to-do list, but a ta-da list, and why you might ask yourself, what's my level of ambition? I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, human nature, and the four tendencies. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the new and noteworthy Elizabeth Kraft. I'll explain why she's new and noteworthy later in the show. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And today, Gretchen, I am calling in um, from a landline in my office. So if the quality isn't great, uh, apologies. (laughs) Having some technical difficulties. (laughs) Technology is so great when it works, which is not always. Exactly. Uh, but Gretch, congratulations. Your book came out yesterday, The Four Tendencies. I know. It seemed like it was in the future for so long. I cannot believe that it is actually out in the world at last. It's it's a really extraordinary feeling to know that it's hit the shelves. Yes. I ordered a few copies, so mine arrived on my doorstep. So I'm I'm representing. <laughs> you're such a you're always such a good sister. Well, now I'm starting my book tour, which is so exciting because I love getting the chance to talk to Listeners and readers and viewers and all different kind of people talking about all my favorite subjects. And I've asked before, and people have been so nice about pre-ordering. I really, really, really appreciated everybody who pre-ordered. And now I have another writerly favor to ask. Elizabeth, I bet you can guess what it is. Yes, write a review. Yes, online reviews, just like the podcast, online reviews really, really help whenever you're trying to help people discover something or take a chance on something, people really respect what other people think. And they really are interested when they see that other people like something. And so writing reviews online can really, really make a big difference. So gold star for everyone who feels like writing a review. I will give that to you in advance. I'll do mine today. (laughs) Yes, good. Use your real name, Elizabeth. I usually will never, never, never read reviews, but I will look to see what your review is. You can take a screenshot. Okay. <laughs> you can take a screenshot and send it to me. I'll get a big kick okay, out of that. Okay, I'll do that. And speaking of books coming out, Chris Gillibo's book, Side Hustle, is coming out. On the Onward Project, you know, it's this family of podcasts that I started called The Onward Project, all about how to make your life better. And Chris's show, Side Hustle School, is one of those podcasts. It's so good. I love listening to it. Yes, it's addictive. It is. And it's daily, so it really can be addictive. And Chris has this terrific book, Side Hustle, which is all, spoiler alert, about side hustles. Chris argues that having a side hustle can help you feel more powerful, more secure, It gives you more money, which gives you more security, but it also gives you more freedom. Yeah. Chris's book is all about creating a new source of income without quitting your job. It's for anyone who's busy and doesn't have a lot of time, but who would still love to get paid for something they create. And the book includes a step-by-step process to starting your first or your fifth income generating project. It's one step a day for 27 days, or you can also complete it at your own pace. Whether you struggle with having ideas or making those ideas happen, this book can help. So I love, Gretchen, it actually tells you how to yes. do it. Yeah. You know, it's not just ideas like, oh, wouldn't this be great? It's like, here's how to make it happen. Yeah. Chris is all about practicality. Yes. I love that about him. Yeah. 
For more information and to get the book, you can go to sidehustleschool.com slash book. Yes, it's really good. I got an early copy, so I've read it, and it's really excellent, and it really makes you just want to hit the ground running with your side hustle. Now, Elizabeth, before we jump into the Try This at Home, too, I wanted to mention, you know, in episode 131, we talked about that listener question from Beth Lean, who wanted ideas for what to do with her mother's wedding dress. She wanted to do yeah. something that was respectful, and she just wasn't sure exactly what to do. And we got a lot of ideas, but there was one idea that came in over and over and over again, which neither one of us had heard of. Yes. So many people told us about something called Angel Gowns, which is an organization that takes wedding dresses and makes them into custom-made gowns, sadly, for babies who have died. They're used for, I think, a lot of times for burial. And it's a great organization, um, but, you know, a sad use, but one that I think anyone would, would say is a good use for that dress. Right. So I will post a link to that. It's all across the United States and across the world. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. This is episode 134. So you could go to happiercast.com slash 134 if you want a link to the Angel Gown program. Um, But Elizabeth, this week, our Try This at Home tip comes from a listener who suggests writing a ta-da list because we all think a lot about to-do lists, but she has a different approach, which is the ta-da list. Yes, Gretchen, this came from Sandy. She said, last spring, I started a new job to start a new line of business for my firm. I had the enormous, rare, and amazing privilege of time to research, explore, and build without pressure for immediate results. However, this meant that my time was very unstructured and completely up to me. After working for years in very high-paced, high-intensity jobs, this was a big change. For several weeks, I felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything, even though I was making my way through market research and following the trails that I needed to. So Friday afternoon, as I was winding up for the week, I decided to write down everything I had done that week, and I was amazed at how good it felt to look back and realize there was substantial progress, even if the final payoff isn't clear yet. I've been doing it every Friday since, and I call it my ta-da list, as in ta-da, look what I've done. (laughs) This will have an added benefit of being a chronicle of things I've done when it comes time for a performance review in the future. I've also found this works well at home. While I have various bigger life goals and projects and things, it's sometimes discouraging when you make a nice list of important things to do and then life gets in the way. If I list all those things that I do just because they are part of life at the end of the week, I can say to myself, wow, no wonder that other things didn't happen. You were clearly very busy. (laughs) (laughs) So I love this ta-da list. Yeah, well, first of all, I love that it's such a close to-do, ta-da. Like, that's brilliant. I love a great phrasing for something. And this is great because it sort of flips the to-do list on its head. You know, it's also a list of accomplishments, but, you know, not things that you need to do, but things that you've done. And I can see that for some people and in certain circumstances, this could be so helpful and so powerful and really energizing just in the way that some people find to-do lists really energizing. A to-do list could be very energizing. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, this would be great right now because, you know, I've talked about how Sarah and I, my writing partner and co-host of Happier in Hollywood, are doing so many different things right now 
that sometimes it feels like we're never getting anywhere on any one thing because it's like we're going in this direction, then this direction, then this direction. And so I think this would be good to see at the end of the week, oh, we actually did stuff on every project, you know, and have that feeling of accomplishment. Well, I know because there's nothing worse than that day where you feel like you've been working, 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 and nothing gets crossed off the to-do list. Like nothing gets fulfilled. And then every once in a while you have those ecstatic days where like every once in a while I have a day where like several things that have been taking up time mm-hmm. all come to a close. And so you just have this immense feeling of sort of things being finished or crossed off. But before you get to that ecstatic point, um, it's good to remember that you are getting things accomplished along the way. You're just kicking the ball that much further down the road. It's You're not going to get it all the way to the end at once. Yeah. And I think part of what's good is like, I know for me, I can get really burnt out feeling yeah. if I just feel like I'm treading water. Like, yeah. it's like, why am I just treading water? Nothing's happening. <laughs> so if I feel like there's progress, it's very energizing. Right, right, right. Like you're saying. Well, and you also don't beat yourself up for thinking like, oh, I'm just I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm not getting anything done. You're like, no, I am getting things done, especially if you're working on a bunch of different things at once. Yeah. Because maybe you feel more scattered or like your energy doesn't seem as focused. So it seems like you're doing less. But that's just how your work is structured at the moment. Yeah. Well, like for you, Gretchen, remember you gave yourself a demerit um, (laughs) about your book because you didn't feel like you were doing enough to sort of get the word out and get people to pre-order. And a to-do list would have been good to see all the things that you actually had been doing. That is an excellent point. And by the way, several people emailed me to say that they had specifically pre-ordered because of the pre-mortem. So thank you that that worked. But you're exactly right. And that's a good example of how the strategy of monitoring, which is one of the 21 strategies of habit change that I talk about, can actually make people feel better. So the idea of monitoring is that when you know how much you do something, you tend to automatically start behaving better or sort of more the way you wish you did, whether you're monitoring how much sleep you get every night what you're actually eating, how many steps you're taking, how much money you're spending every day. When you monitor, people start to just sort of unconsciously, they tend to start doing a better job. But what's true of monitoring often is that people sometimes don't realize how much they're doing. Like if you're constantly beating yourself up thinking like, oh, I don't spend any time with my kids. It could be that the strategy of monitoring would help you see, wait, I do spend time with my kids. Or maybe I don't do it this way, but I do it this other way. Or maybe I'm just not realizing Mm -hmm. how much it adds up over the course of a week. A ta-da list, if you put that on your ta-da list... You're going to get that feeling like, oh, I remember all the things I did. It's going to help me not beat myself up too much. Yeah. And also, Gretch, you know, um, we can't have any conversation without me mentioning reframing. <laughs> yeah, your specialty. Um, I'm all about reframing. <laughs> yeah. And this is definitely a reframing yes. technique. We're saying instead of stuff you have to do, it's like, yay, look at me. It's stuff I've done. Yeah, it's very positive. It's reinforcing. And it's also probably really good for rebels because, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. rebels often resist to-do lists because they don't like being told, even by themselves, what to do. But when they're reminded of what they've done, it's that call to identity that is so powerful for rebels. This is the kind of person that you are. This is how you like to spend your time. This is what you choose to do. Look at what you can accomplish when you put your mind to it. This to-do list is just like a celebration of everything that you can do when you decide you want to do it. And so I think it works for everybody, but it might be particularly particularly powerful for rebels. Yeah. And I mean, for an obliger like me, I love having positive reinforcement. Um, and, you know, I could even feel, you know, accountable to my to list, like, oh, I want my to list to be full of things. So <laughs> let me get them done now so I can write them down when I'm done. Exactly. And what I love, the, the last thing I want to say that I really love about the to list is that, you know, 
a lot of times experts are like, this is what you should do. Everybody should make a to-do list. Everybody should set up their priorities for their day. The thing about productivity, it's like everything, like habits, like happiness. It's what works for you. All that matters is what works for you. If a to-do list is not working for you or it's not working for you right now, go to the to-do list. Maybe that's going to be the thing that's going to help you. I mean, and another thing she's saying here, she can use it as a, a tool for her performance review. She's got this great record yeah. of everything she's done week to week. She's not sitting down at the end of six months trying to remember it. She'll have this very, very specific, detailed thing week to week. So she's building something that's helping her in the short term. It's also setting her up for success over a, the broader term. And the key thing is that she's figured out what works for her. Yeah. So I think for everybody, it's like, does this appeal to you? If it does, give it a shot. Well, Gretch, I think we should have everyone Instagram yes. a picture of their ta <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm dying to see them. Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft. What's your Instagram handle? You know, with a shocking lack of originality, it's at Gretchen Rubin. Yeah, but I would love to see people's ta um, we'll do hashtag happier 2017 and uh, we'll look at everyone's ta-da list. Excellent. So let us know if you do try this at home and how a ta-da list works for you. So Twitter, Facebook, again, Instagram, we can't wait to see them. You can email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 134 for everything related to this episode. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for this week's happiness hack. And this week we found our hack at um, the podcast movement conference in Anaheim where we were recently. Yeah, we were, you know, roaming the halls. I was wearing my Happier t-shirt. You were wearing your Happier in Hollywood t-shirt. Yeah. And we ran into some terrific people that we knew. And we heard about this great app that they created called PodSearch. And it is exactly what you would think that it was, if you heard the name PodSearch, it is a way to find great podcasts. Yeah, it seems like everyone is listening to podcasts, but everyone is also trying to find new podcasts to listen to. It's sort of like, well, how do I figure out what I want to listen to? And PodSearch is an app that allows you to, uh, once you download it, you can enter the category that you're interested in. Like if you're interested in happiness, you can put happiness and happier will come up among other podcasts and it sort of curates for you. Right. And there's categories that you can do, or there's the top ones or the new ones. There's all different kinds of ways to get different things suggested to you. And you find it just the way you get apps. You know, you go to the App Store if you're on an iPhone, or go to Google Play and search for it, Pod Search. It's one word, Pod Search. And, you know, 
So if there's a subject that you're interested in and you want to find out more about what's out there, you can find it. Yes. And Gretchen, I want to say this is not an ad. No. We just really no. like costumes. No, no, no. Yes. Whenever we do something very specific, <laughs> like the unique low vest, yeah. people are like, that's an ad. It's not an ad. No. We just like it. No, we just like it because it's just fun. It's fun to find a new way to find out about stuff you didn't know was there that you're super excited about. Because the thing yes. about podcasts is some of them are super, super niche. But if that's the niche you've been looking for your whole life, it's very exciting to find out that there's so much great content out there for you to check out. So that is the app. Pod search. All right, Gretchen. Well, this week our Try This at Home came from a listener, and now we have a Know Yourself Better question that also comes from our listener, Kate. She brought up a very interesting question. She noted that on Happier in Hollywood, um, Sarah and I talked about knowing our level of ambition that it helped our partnership that we, you know, know our level of ambition and it's a similar level of ambition and that sort of keeps us on track together. And she thought this would be a good topic for us to discuss on happier as a know yourself better. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because until you had pointed that out, I had never really thought about that as an important way to think about, you know, what you want in your life, what you want from yourself, what you expect from yourself, what you expect from other people to accommodate this idea of ambition. But it's really, really a helpful thing to know about yourself, especially if you're paired with someone else in in romance, you know, in marriage or a sweetheart or in work, because it helps you know what you want and what you expect from yourself and what you don't want. And that makes it clear about what kind of circumstances you're going to want from that other person too, just like with you and Sarah, if you had different levels of ambition, you might approach your work with different levels of intensity that could create conflict because you know your level of ambition and you're well-matched that reduces conflict. Yes. And I have to say, it took us about 15 years to realize (laughs) that that was a core element of what made our partnership work because so many people ask us how, you know, why does it work so well? Yeah. And we've spent so much time sort of talking about it and distilling it. We realized that was a key element. And we always tell people, you know, when they move to L.A., and I think this is true wherever you are, surround yourself, like if you're starting out in your career, with people of the same level of ambition, because it just it's just helpful in terms of, you know, what your interest level and sort of what you want to do. Of course, ambition doesn't just have to be career related. A lot of people have all sorts of ambitions, you know, like they want to climb every, you know, high mountain. Yeah. And then they're going to want to be with other people who also want to do that. If they're just you don't want to hang out with someone on a Saturday morning who just wants to do a three mile hike. Uh, in a flat surface if you're trying to train to climb a huge mountain. Yeah, and I think what you just talked about sort of gets at one of the ways, how do you know this about yourself? How do you figure this out about yourself? Because what is what is this idea of ambition? And I think it's this idea of pushing yourself. It's not just that you're busy. Mom made a really interesting observation about somebody once that I thought was very perceptive because she said, well, he's energetic, but not ambitious, meaning this was a person who worked really hard, but really didn't have this pushing quality where they're always sort of trying to go to the next thing or challenge themselves or tackle something new. And so when you're thinking to yourself, well, do I have ambition in this area of my life? It's like, 
How much time do you spend strategizing about next steps? Do you love to talk shop with people, you know, and sort of get like the tips and the, the new th- wisdom and like how are things changing? Um, do you get frustrated if there is no obvious first step? Sometimes people get to a place where there's no obvious outlet for an ambition. Is that OK with you? You don't even notice or care? Or is this really frustrating to you because you're like, oh, now I don't know where to go? These are ways to sort of tap in. In this area, do you have ambition? And like so many things we discuss, Scratch, it's not good or bad. It's just what is your level of ambition? What are you interested in? Yeah. And I think when you know about yourself, it's important like when you are pairing up with somebody, because if you're somebody who's very ambitious, it's going to affect a lot of areas of your life. And you want to be aware of that and how people might have a different view of it. Like, do you expect to be working on the weekends? Do you expect to be taking phone calls on the weekends? Do you expect to be doing a lot of work travel? Do you expect that you might have to travel for like a long period, you know, not just like a couple days out and a couple days back, but maybe you'd have to go someplace for a considerable amount of time? Are you going to be pretty stressed out? You know, these are things that can come along with a person who feels a lot of ambition in a certain area. Are you going to want to invest in it? You know, a lot of times if you want to move forward, there's things you have to buy or attend or learn or download or whatever. How does the other person feel about that? Are they ready for that? Are they going to accept that? Are they going to resist that? Because it's going to affect them. If it's affecting you, it's going to affect the relationship. It affects the relationship that other person is going to have to grapple with it in some way. Yeah, Gretch, you may not uh, be surprised to hear I have a real housewives example of where, of, <laughs> where this exact conflict arose. This is why it's so profound. It applies to everything, the real housewives. Yeah. <laughs> On the real housewives of Orange County, one of the um, husbands is very has gotten very into doing Spartan races. You mm. know, they're sort of those obstacle course races. And he's spending a lot of time training and a lot of time then going and doing these races. And his wife is very resentful that he has this ambition in his life to do these races. She doesn't like it. So right there, you go, okay, this is conflict over level of ambition. Right, right. So it's a really helpful thing to think about yourself, know yourself better. Again, it's not that it's right or wrong. It's just something to think about. And then as you're relating to other people, to remind yourself, it's not that one person's right and one person's wrong, but do we have different viewpoints on what's appropriate and why we would be doing certain things in a certain situation? Yeah. And I also think when you're looking for a mate, I mean, if they don't have enough ambition for you, that's also a problem, you know? So it's not just if someone has too much and they're going to be gone all the time, but if you feel like they're not someone who has the same interest as you do in sort of pushing. Yes. That could lead to a lot of conflict. Right. So it's just it's just good some to know this about about yourself. And it reminded me Elizabeth of a great quote from a book that I read because you told me that you had enjoyed it, which was Lena Dunham's book uh, Not That Kind of Girl. Mm. And I don't know if you remember this part, but this is this was when she was talking about a period when she and two of her good friends were all working as sales clerk at a fancy children's clothing store in downtown New York City. They were just having a blast. You know, it was like the per- it was such a fun job for them. And Lena Dunham writes, but ambition is a funny thing. It creeps in when you least expect it and keeps you moving, even when you think you want to stay put. Ah, very true. Very true. So that's how ambition is. It's that thing that keeps you pushing, pushing, pushing. So it's interesting. I'll be very curious to hear from listeners if this is something that they've reflected on or or whether 
having the question in their mind brings clarity to themselves, their relationships with people at work, with people in romance. It's a very interesting question. So thank you, Kate, for highlighting that after listening to that Happier in Hollywood episode. Thanks, Kate. Okay, Gretch, it is time for a listener question. And I want to remind everyone they can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember 77-HAPPY-336. Yeah, and this week's listener question comes from Eugenia. She writes, I'm in need of wise advice related to receiving gifts graciously. My father-in-law gives me a potted flower a few times a year, usually every time we invite him to dinner. I adore my father-in-law and really appreciate this sweet gesture. The trouble is, I don't like potted flowers and would much rather receive cut flowers. Plotted plants need watering, proper lighting, fertilizing, and all kinds of such care in order to thrive, and I have neither knowledge nor time nor inclination for such work. I, of course, do what I can to look after the plants, but I must be doing something wrong because sooner or later my potted plants become unhealthy and I feel sad and guilty watching their slow decline. It's different with cut flowers because there's no expectation for them to last long, so I just enjoy their fleeting beauty. How do I get the message to my dear father-in-law about my preference? And should I? On one hand, he is 92, and although he is in good health, I know I will not be receiving his gifts forever. Maybe I should follow your longstanding advice to receive a gift in the spirit in which it's offered and enjoy my potted plants for what they are, signs of love. On the other hand, I think he just has the wrong idea, and it wouldn't be any more trouble for him to get me a bouquet instead. In fact, I know that he has the idea that it's bad manners to give cut flowers as a hostess gift— because the hostess then has to drop everything and put the flowers in a vase right away instead of serving the hors d'oeuvres. I don't see it that way, of course. For me, long-term care is much more burdensome. What do you think? Is there a good way to communicate my preference for cut flowers? Or should I avoid the social risk and try to get what I get and not get upset? Interesting dilemma. It is. I think it's a tough one. I think it's hard to tell someone, bring me cut flowers instead of a potted flower. It's just a hard thing to work that in graciously. It really is. Because also, if there have been years of potted (laughs) flowers, then it's like, oh, okay, sorry about the last 15 years of (laughs) potted plants. But I have a suggestion for her, Gretchen. Oh, what's that? I think she should just give the potted flowers away to friends who do like getting them. So then she doesn't have to watch them die and feel bad. She can feel good giving some, because it is a nice gift. It is. A lot of people would love to get that. Well, you know, this is a great idea because she can enjoy the beauty of the flowers for the period that he's there and maybe one more day until she finds the the next owner. And then it's that joy of, first of all, of giving a gift to somebody else, but then also putting something in the right hand so that it can go and live its proper role in the world because somebody has it who can make good use of it. And then she wouldn't feel all that guilt. It feels like what she doesn't like is she just feels bad about the fact that she's killing these plants, which, by the way, yeah. I would I totally identify with that. I would be doing it, too. Um, it just makes you feel bad about kind of your competence. And, you know, it's sad to feel responsible for the death of a little innocent gardenia or whatever. I think that is a fantastic idea. Yeah, because I'm just like, he's 92. If, you know, if he were 60, maybe, you know, you'd go, well, this is another half century of getting potted flowers. But, you know, he is older and um, it just doesn't feel worth it to me to rock the boat. I think there is a possibility if her husband, you know, if her if this guy's son 
was like with his father sometimes and was like, oh, let's get her cut flowers. I know how much she loves getting cut flowers or something. Mm, Maybe you could interject that idea into it, not in a way like, hey, I'm trying to redirect you myself, but maybe somebody else just plant. I had not heard this idea that you weren't supposed to give people cut flowers, but Elizabeth, you knew about that idea. Yes. A lot of people think you shouldn't bring cut flowers to someone's house unless they're already in a vase. So you can just set them down because you don't want to make a hostess have to go find a vase, fill it with water, arrange the flowers, put them out. So yes, the the, the father-in-law is absolutely right. <laughs> that, that is the Emily Post yeah. way is, is do not bring cut flowers unless they're in a vase. You can bring them if they're already in a vase. Yeah, it's interesting. But, you know, I have to mention, Elizabeth, Eugenia alludes in her comments to episode 85 when we talked about the Know Yourself Better question, have you ever been made angry or upset by a Mm well-intentioned gift? Now, Eugenia is very explicit here that she does understand that it's a well-intentioned gift, and it's a a very thoughtful gift. But I have to say, episode 85 is one of my all-time favorite episodes because that is where you were talking about giving your mother-in-law that electric pedicure device. And you were like, it never Mm -hmm. occurred to me she might take it as a hint. I have never laughed so hard in my (laughs) life as thinking about that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Listen, we played that clip a few times because it it is one of my all-time favorites. But So we won't put it here. But at the very end of the show, if you, too, want to listen to that again, it will be at the very, very end of the show. So... Yes, we can never hear it enough. Yeah. So, Eugenia, I hope that's helpful. It's a good problem to have, as people say. Um, it sounds like he's, yeah. he really is very thoughtful and loving. And I think Alyssa's idea of passing it along to the next person is, is a terrific solution for everyone. Okay, Elizabeth, it's this week's Demerits and Gold Stars. And this is an even week, which means that it is your demerit. Yes. So, Gretchen, we talked about September being the other January, you know, where you can sort of start over again. And my plan was that in September, I was going to start grilling because, as you know, we've been redoing our house. And part of that is we put in a gas line for a grill outside. The problem is, and here comes the demerit, although we have a gas line for a grill, we have not yet gotten the grill And as you can imagine, not having a grill, we have not done any (laughs) grilling. So I've completely and utterly failed on my mission to start grilling. Well, you know what I'm going to say. No, what? You need a deadline. You need accountability. You need need Mm. to say to Jack something like, after so-and-so event, you know, I don't know what the milestone would be. After such and such thing happens, we're going to have our first home cookout. We're going to get matching Mm. aprons. We're going to make hot dogs. And do something really easy. Don't try to do some kind of advanced thing. Right. But be on the hook for a specific time and have Jack know that that's going to be the big debut grilling. That's a good idea because he really wants us to do this because he wants us to eat at home. Yeah. And he would love this. So um, that's a good idea. If I'm accountable to Jack, I'll feel pressure to actually follow through. So is there a logical, like... The first day of October or like it's it's not it can't be like the first day of school. But is there something where it would make it would sort of be an appropriate day to shoot for? Nothing comes to mind, but maybe I should just say like the first Saturday in October. Yes, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell Jack and Adam today because the key is I also have to coordinate with Adam because he's been doing the research on the grill Mm. itself. 
Mm. So it, it's sort of not just my demerit. I, I include Adam in this demerit <laughs> vicariously. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, stay tuned for that. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna, like, I'm going to mark it in my book. First Saturday. Okay. Good. Okay. This is where my happiness bully side could come out in a less than happy way. All right. Here we go. Okay. Um, okay, Gretchen. What is your gold star this week? Well, Elizabeth, you get a gold star. Oh, so yay. don't think about your grilling. Think about your excellent podcast that got put on the new and noteworthy list on Apple Podcast. This is a really, really exciting thing to happen to any podcast. Um, it really helps new listeners discover the show. It's a real vote of excellence from the folks at Apple. And it's just super exciting that you that this happened. You know, you launched the podcast a couple months ago, and this is like a really exciting affirmation of everything that you and Sarah have been doing over on Happier in Hollywood. Yes, it was very exciting to see us pop up there on New and Noteworthy. And for anyone who hasn't listened to Happier in Hollywood, yes, it's about Hollywood, but it also really applies to everyone. It's all about um, how to thrive and survive at work and in life, no matter where you are and what you do. Um, and it, you know, it's hosted by me and by my writing partner of 17 years, who's also been my friend for over 30 years. So anyway, it's a lot of fun and um, we're getting a lot of new listeners from New and Noteworthy. So that's exciting. So um, thank you for the gold star. I, I accept. <laughs> Excellent. And that's it for this week of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Make a ta-da list. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. And if you feel like posting a picture of your ta-da list, put it on Instagram. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers from Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us because just like things like Pod Search or the New and Noteworthy list, these are ways that help other listeners discover the show, which we really appreciate. And the two resources for this week I wanted to remind you about one is that. There's the list of wedding readings and funeral readings that I've put together based on uh, a bunch of listener suggestions. Um, and you can get that. It's on happiercast.com slash resources under this episode, which is 134. Or you can just email me at podcast at GretchenRubin.com and say if you want the wedding and or the funeral readings. And I wanted to remind you, my book tour is just beginning. I'm going to a lot of places. So I will include a link in the show notes so that you can see if I'm coming to someplace near you. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. mother-in-law and I hope she didn't take it the wrong way 
Um, you know, there's the pet egg, which is something you use to <laughs> scrape um, like calluses off your feet. Well, they have an electric version. And I really wanted one. And so I, you know, I got one for my mother-in-law and I really hope she didn't take that as I was commenting on her feet, which of course I've never noticed her feet. So I don't know how she took it because I wasn't there when she opened it. Um, I am literally gasping for that was an ill-conceived gift? I cannot, I, I have not laughed so hard in a long time. I think that's a gift. So you did not get Judy one of those?